With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is the one and only, the rookie, Chris Dashew. I'm in love. Have you seen the movie Laura? I'm in love with a woman that I can't have. Harris, do you want to go see that movie later? It's like the greatest gay joke in the history of Barney Miller? Yeah, yeah. Or is Dietrich gay? Maybe. <laughs> Questions will be answered on this episode. Just wants to kiki with uh, Harris, yeah. I guess so, yeah. I don't yeah. know what's going on. Oh, boy. We are talking about three episodes of the classic show Barney Miller on this one episode of our podcast. We are in the fifth season, just cracking the top of the fifth season, talking about The Search, which was released September 21st, 1978, Dog Days from September 28th, 1978, and The Baby Broker from October 5th, 1978. We've got the usual suspects here. We've got Noam Pitlick directing all three of these. We've got Reinhold Ouija, Tony Sheehan. Bob Kaliri, kind of a new name for me on those, but the other folks, we know them very well. We have a lot of familiar suspects on this episode. Oh, yeah, including people that have nothing to do with the show, like uh, Bruce Kirby showing up. Yeah, always God. nice to see Bruce. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, the uh, the recognizable face of Bruce Kirby, my Lord. I mean, when he walks in, in this, in this first episode, in, in the search, I was like, man, you know, he's just, I, I, again, you know, He's Bruno Kirby's dad, right? Right, exactly. Oh, and yeah. you're going to see a lot of him when we're watching Columbo. He is a regular Columbo yes. dude. That's what I. That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. He was also in The Sopranos. Uh, he played like uh, he plays this kind of asshole doctor Italian character who hates kind of he hates how Italian like like provincial Italian The Sopranos are. So I was like, when I saw him, I was like, oh my god, he's he's, he's from The Sopranos. But this is this episode has, I guess, one of the the. the the coming of fruition of one of the kind of holdover gags from the show. It's kind of the show's holdover gag of, of them going in drag. Oh uh, yeah. Which was stressing, I guess. Which was funny. Cause I think you just mentioned last episode. You're like, man, they haven't done that in a while. And then boom, here it is. 
And it's played differently in this episode than I was expecting. Yeah, this one, they, the way that Wojo is giggling like a little schoolgirl about, oh, hey, uh, Harris is going to have to go and drag for uh, this the 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 stakeout stuff. I'm just like, really? Okay. And then Barney's kind of all over. I'm like, why is that so funny? But I has do... Wojo not dressed up yet? Because oh, like they man. said, he had right. So like, so so hold on a second. So a show. A show like this that we both love that has taken the opportunity to show the characters cross-dress and has made a point didn't show Wojo doing it? Really? It feels like he must have, right? Well, they said he did. I mean, they make a point in this episode of saying like, blah, 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 Wojo, when you had to do it. And it's like, wait a second. Like, hold on a second. Like, when did he do it? Or were they just saying like his opinion on it has changed? But like, I felt like they said he did it. Right. It's like, why else would his opinion about it change if he didn't have to do it? Mm-hmm. It was weird because I was like, they would have not not shown that, right? They would have right. shown Wojo. And see, I can't remember them doing it, but may did we they we didn't miss it. I just remember fish more than anybody. I remember yes, fish. I remember fish as well. And I don't think we've ever seen Yamana do it. And I would wager a guess, given where the real world is going with him, I don't think we're probably going to. No. But no. Max Gale, I would have think. I would have thought so, too. And he seems like a pretty liberal guy. I don't feel like he would have been like, I'm not doing that. No, like, no. It's like I, I mean, lived Wojo out in a teepee himself. on his property. Yeah, well, right. the character. Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Max Gale, the man. Like, I'm not sure he would have had like a. But I like the conceit of this episode. It's interesting, right? This yeah. like this woman who's looking for her father, and he isn't her father, but he is her father. Right. Well, and the woman played by Jenny O'Hare as Teresa Schna- Schnabel. 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 Mrs. Sh- Schnabel. She is still working today, and she's yeah. a pretty familiar face. Like, that voice is super familiar, but then... You're just like, okay, yeah, she's on Transparent and uh, the Mindy Project. She was in Devil. I'm like, she was the devil in Devil. I'm pretty sure oh, that's spoilers. The, oh, movie's 12, 12 years old. <laughs> I still haven't watched it yet. That's fair. But it takes I me have, a long time to prepare to see an M. Night Shyamalan produced film. That's fair. But also uh, on my podcast, The Culture Cast, we have a statute of limitations for spoilers. It's oh, 10, okay. year, 10 years. Like, ah, I mean, let me put it this way. You've seen that movie before. It's essentially a shitty Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> there are four people trapped in an elevator and they find out about the terrible things they did in their lives. And they're faced with those things. Does What does that sound like? What? That sounds so original. Twilight Zone all oh, the way. Yeah. yeah. Or Tales from the Crypt or Tales right. from the Dark Side. Uh, I do like the whole mustache thing. I like how uh, oh, Ron boy. Glass is just taking uh, Barney to task about his mustache. I love that. I also love that, of course, Harris does not buy off the rack and that he has to have like the top tier shoes. He's got he's getting his dress fitted and getting some beadwork done all this it was fantastic it's just I a just couple of changes that. barney yeah hey, come on harris harris is such a f- fucking cool customer like just the coolest character on this show one of the honestly one of the coolest police officer characters i can really think of he's so unflappable period oh, yeah 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 there's only a few times like when he gets dirty he does not like that at all because it messes up his clothes Right. And essentially, anytime he has to deal with Dietrich, he's a little flapped. But oh, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. 
Yeah. Dealing with Dietrich seems like dealing with a space alien from the planet <laughs> Neptune. So when they said that Mr. Snable was at the Continental Spa, I was just like, is he going to be Marty? Is that Marty's last name? Like I was waiting for Mr. Snable to come in and be flamboyantly gay because right. he's at the Continental Spa. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, the spas in the 70s in New York. Yeah. Gay sex all over the place. No, no. Anything but this man. Yes, he might have had some problems in the past, but it's all done now. And definitely he's he's a straight shooter, if you know what I mean. It was problems with having sex with so many women. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like he had a little case of the. Right. (laughs) Which is really funny because I mentioned that he shows up in The Sopranos. The character that he's playing in this show is actually very similar. Oh, like very much like this just dickhead but like in that he's a doctor in this. I don't understand why he's a dickhead in this. I don't I don't understand his character because he knows that that woman is his daughter. Yeah. And like, or, why at any point admit it? Like why cave? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess he might have some doubt because it sounds like her mom might have gone out with a lot of the patients at this right. clinic. But yeah, I think he realizes for sure by the end, like she's really his. And yeah. the way that he kind of like you know, it's a Barney Miller show. So he's just like, yeah, well, maybe we'll get together for Christmas kind of thing. Right. Like, oh. It's very Barney Miller. Right? Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that we you you kind of pointed something out that I did want to mention, like the show now has like there's like a Barney Miller ending. Yeah. And I think it's this like people learn a lesson. They get close to being punished by the system. But ultimately, people can. And I honest to God, if you want to if you want me to synthesize the show down, the, the message of Barney Miller is we don't need the cops to solve our problems. They can help facilitate them. Yes. And like, that's what almost every time in this show ends up happening is someone learns a lesson through the Barney Miller and the men in the precinct. But very rarely do people ever go to jail. Everything is solved outside of the judicial system. Yes. Because nobody ever goes to jail. In the worst, they go to Bellevue, where they still probably end up getting out. So, right. And, you know, they go into the holding cell, and that's where they get to really sit down and think about things, really evaluate their life and be like, okay, I've made some bad decisions here. Maybe, you know, Mr. Science is um, maybe blew up a little bit. He's, he's upset. The kids are watching crappy TV, but... You know, why aren't they watching my stuff? And I'm just, of course, I'm thinking like Bill Nye or Beekman's World and these kind of things or or the original Mr. Wizard. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, those are great shows. So beating the shit out of the can you imagine Bill Nye beating the shit out of the kids? Yes. Yes, I can. (laughs) Bill, Bill, Bill. That's what they scream as they're running away from. (sighs) I like that. I, I they don't show it, obviously, but I like that this like little nebbish guy is chasing these children around trying to kick the shit out of them because they were making fun of him. Like, that's pretty funny. It was great. Great sea story. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think that, you know, this episode operates on all cylinders and it, it tells a different Barney Miller kind of story than we're used to. Cause like, Mm -hmm. there's like, what are the stakes in this episode? Really? Like there aren't any, like that woman and her father. And like the, you know, that the doctor or the, the doctor, the scientist is going to go out at the end somehow. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I like that this is kind of a a rather chilled out episode of Barney Miller and it has some pretty good jokes. I mean, the gag with the gag with Harris in the cross-dressing and like him getting to the fine, because it's the end of the episode, which mm-hmm. I think is super duper smart that they leave it to the end. 
And I like that scene. That scene's mad progressive for this oh, show. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Like what was, what was going on? What was going on in that final scene? Right. It was weirdly progressive. Can I talk about one very strange thing at the beginning of this episode? Sure. D- Dietrich's close-ups. Do you know what oh, I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was going on with that? That was so strange. It was like they, I don't know if the camera just wasn't set up right. Or if they were like, Hey, what's going on? Like we need to reshoot this, but it felt like they said, all right, you know, let's take you and put you against this like green wall in this ugly chair. And you just deliver your lines right here. And then we'll cut it in later on because there's no matching. I mean, this is obviously shot post because of the way that his arms move and stuff. We'll like cut back to the master shot and his arms will be in different positions. And I'm just like, what is happening here? And just the way that the camera is, the camera looks like it's, if it were set up in that shot, it would have been like coming through the doorway. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, some this, weird, some weird pickup shots, maybe. Yeah, it was strange, man. I've never <laughs> seen anything like that before. I don't know how that made it under the uh, under the watchful eye of Gnome Pit. Like these episodes are normally like pretty, like pretty flawless. It's yeah. honestly kind of shocking at how not how well made the show is, but like, man, the show is really well made. There are very few times do we see the seams of this show, and this is a show that has ostensibly one set. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, one really kind of not much of a set. I don't know how far forward it extends, but yeah. like far back, like I'm pretty sure the door to the locker room is there's nothing back there. Oh yeah. No, that takes you right off set. Right. Yeah. And like, I don't, I, I assume that Barney's office is a real set connected to the rest, mm-hmm. but like there Barney's set is not four wall. No, it's like two. It's the one behind the, the sofa and the one behind, I guess it's three walls. Probably. Three walls, yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, I I don't know. Like, the show is always so well made. It was such a weird thing. Like, they never do this. They yeah. never, never do this. I think it must have just been like they had no other choice. Like, uh, get it out the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, like, uh, you know, Otto was saying that they would spend, like, late nights doing this stuff. So I'm just like. Did they decide we need better line readings right. or something happened with the take? You know, just right. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there, but I'm glad that you noticed too, because oh, yeah. I was just like, wow, this is really freaky to the point where I was like, I have to put this in my notes, otherwise I'm gonna forget. But well, it's just again, I, for me, it was just like a weird standout moment of the show just not looking as good as it normally does. It still looks really good for a show. Yeah. Made in the mid-70s. Like. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I I know it's because it lends itself to this timeless feel of that precinct, but that precinct only exists in the seventies. That doesn't exist like that now. Right. But that's, but it, 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 it's so imbued with that seventies feel that like, even though it's clearly set in the seventies, it has that timeless quality to it. And it's so well-made. I mean, so is Columbo. So Mm -hmm. was, well, maybe not Kolchak, but definitely Barney Miller and Columbo. Yeah. I mean, I would say this room is, not necessarily as iconic as Kolchak's office, but you know, Kolchak's office was pretty well done and the decoration and everything. But I like this one better just because it feels more lived in and you can really see the grime a lot of times. Oh yeah. I mean, I I love the precinct itself as a character. We oh, yeah. spend all of our time there. I mean, we've talked about this before on multiple episodes of the show. We're never going to see anything else. Yeah. We're going to see like snippets. Maybe uh, we've seen, we have seen so few times outside of the precinct. We could probably still count on two hands. Yeah. 
We're yeah. not to double digits yet. I don't think we might not even be off of one hand. Really, maybe the first season I think had like a the lion's share of us outside of the precinct. Oh yeah, but I think we've uh, one time last season, two times maybe. I know that like the eviction one with like the squatters, but like right. outside of that, I'm not sure there was another time. And like again, like that's why the show feels so interesting in a way because it could have fallen into this pitfall of like it's a boring show set in a. A very set bound precinct, but like it, it doesn't ever feel set bound. It really doesn't, even no. though it's like the most set bound show I've ever watched. And I've seen stuff like I Love Lucy, which is also very set bound. But like this is the this is for me the if I ever want to point someone at like the show that's set bound but still works, it's this one. Mm-hmm. Like these kinds of shows don't even work really. No, no. And then even this, I don't know if what this was shot on this doesn't feel like it was shot on film it feels like it was shot on maybe like one inch videotape or something yeah the way that it looks it sure does yeah and then when they do stuff like those close-up shots you can really tell because the the quality is like severely diminished yeah it's like can you guys maybe like you know do a digital upgrade or something you know add some special effects in here with some lasers you know hey bomb like (laughs) just cuts to shots after the commercial of the enterprise circling the planet (laughs) you know what say what you will about them doing that to the tos those quality of life upgrades they I, they serve a purpose i'm not sure i completely agree with them but like please give this show something Cause like, God damn it. Like this show deserves. So I, I, the show ran so long and like, it is part of, in a lot of ways, like the culture of the seventies and it's an important TV show. Like why it hasn't gotten a significant reappraisal by one of these boutique video, boutique video, boutique DVD, I guess, releasers is kind of beyond me. Well, one thing that might help spur that is something that we found out right before we started recording tonight, which is now Barney is on uh, Amazon prime. So now hopefully more people will start watching the show again. And if people don't believe that that's how things actually happen in this world, the X-Files coming back is solely because of people actually watching it on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Net- X-Files was on Netflix in the early 10s. And X-Files came back because people were just blowing up Netflix with the X-Files. So if you watch a lot of something on a platform, they will actually take into consideration maybe doing something more with it. I'm not advocating to like bring Barney Miller back, but (laughs) a digital recorrection or something. Because again, there are very few shows like this show. Yeah. And there, the show, I mean, the show deserves it. Because like if I Love Lucy got it, like this is classic television worth revisiting. Definitely. Uh, we should note real quick that Mr. Science, uh, he has been on this show many times. Arnie Freeman, he's been on here three times prior and will be on here two more times before the end of the series. And then I think, yeah, he lived until 1986, but this was one of his last things that he ever did was work on Barney Miller. Yeah, and he uh, he plays the same character before this episode yes. twice. Yeah, but Mr. he never Roasten. plays the same character again. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's one of those familiar faces that yeah. we love to see around here, man. Keep showing up. Yeah, please. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, you know we. Well, I know for sure we'll see Bruce Kirby again, but um, Bruno, yeah, Bruce, we'll see him again when it comes to Columbo. But maybe we'll see him again on here. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a very solid episode. Very quick. 
I was very surprised. A lot of these episodes that I watched last night, I'm just like, man, that just really cooks along. It takes the 30 minutes and just right through it. Right. Oh, yeah. And that gag at the end really is like, oh, yeah. Strange, like weird. It's tonally weird. Like, I can't tell what kind of I don't think it's I, I don't know. Everybody all of a sudden in the precinct is very progressive and it's I appreciate it. Yeah. But like, this is the same show that did have an episode titled rape. Well, it's weird because in, I think it's the next episode when, um, uh, Rosalind cash shows up, she's dressed almost the same way that, (laughs) that Harris had been dressed in the previous episode. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, is that on purpose? Like even Andrea was like, is that the same outfit that Harris was wearing? I was like, I don't think it is, but yeah, she's she's as tall and statuesque as uh, Harris was in his outfit. I love me some Rosalind Cash, primarily oh. because she plays John Emdahl in The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension. For me, it's all about her kick-ass character in uh, The Omega Man, especially when she's just like gunning down those zombie vampires and stuff with a machine gun. She's freaking awesome. Still need to watch that movie. I've never seen oh. any of those. I, the only because that's Tim. That's Tim Mathis. Tim Matheson. That's Richard Matheson. That's an adaptation of I Am Legend, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm more of a fan of the Will Smith one myself. Well, you know, I especially like that happy ending version. And so that's why I'm excited for the sequel. So I really want to see more of uh, Will Smith. I want to see him just burn up the box office again. Yeah. And I can't wait As for you this do. sequel to I Am Legend. Yeah. I, and my favorite, I said this to Father Malone once, my favorite thing about the I Am Legend adaptations that we've gotten, nobody ever gives a shit about the actual title of the story and why it is the way it is. Yes. Why would anybody ever address that in any story they've ever done for the I Am Legend adaptation? Like, why? That's the coolest part of the story is like what the title means. And it's yeah. like, we don't even care. Like, whatever. CGI vampire zombies fighting Will Smith. Yeah. Much, much more important. It might be in the Vincent Price version. I can't remember because that one was actually adapted by Matheson. I think he might have been using an assumed name for that one mm, when he adapted it. Yeah, that's a really good version, though I still prefer just having uh, Charlton Heston out there in L.A. fighting against Arthur uh, Anthony Zerby. And just, yeah, the, all of these like little black exploitation touches to it and stuff like Rosalind Cash. It's so good. I need to watch the Omega Man. I've never seen it, but yeah. I, it's on my it's on a it's on a long list of those like 70s, 70s sci-fi movie, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I have I I'm 70s sci-fi is not something I'm super well versed in. So but 70s cop TV shows, on the other hand, that's something <laughs> I'm well versed in. We keep ma- I mean, yeah. it's like it's genu it's it's genuinely funny to me how many of these cops like this is the second, technically almost third, if you want to count Kolchak as kind of cop adjacent, mm-hmm. but like Second cop show we've done now, Barney Miller. Or so I guess this is the original one we did. Hill Street Blues. Coming soon. Coming soon. This is yet another appearance of Joseph V. Perry, uh, who is the owner of these dogs, and he's running a dog fight thing. I mean, that's pretty unsettling to me that there's this dog fighting ring going on and that he just sees nothing wrong with it. You know, just it's it's Two fighters going against each other, kind of unsettling. And that's where we get the name of the episode, Dog Days. So it's not necessarily about, you know, August or anything, but it's about all of this dog fighting that's going on. And there's a dog that bites uh, Wojo, and he's super afraid of getting all the rabies treatments. And I'm just like, this feels like a like a pet more than a 
like one of the fighters, but I guess he was one of the fighters. So you don't know what kind of diseases he may have. So there's this whole thing. We've got to find the dog. And then, of course, like you said, Chris, we can't leave the station. So the dog shows up at the, the station. The dog is here, folks. <laughs> He's here. He's here. This giant ass German shepherd being dragging Levitt in behind him. Levitt is pretty great in this episode. My God. Levitt is pretty great in both of the episodes. Yes. He's it's disgusting. I'm disgusted, frankly, that I actually have to say I like Levin. I like how useless he is in this episode and how he and how he apologizes for his uselessness, too. I love when he gets pulled across the room by the dog and slams into the cage. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's a big ass German Shepherd. And Levitt is a small dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I will tell you, though, I really like the look of Joseph V. Perry. He's just such a he looks like such a dickhead. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, just like the characters that he plays. If you look through his IMDb, like, I'm not sure it tells the tale of his career. But if you look at him, you can imagine the kind of characters that he would play. Right. Because he just looks kind of like he's got a stick up his ass. Oh, and yeah. he play and in and, and the character that he plays in, in this episode, Lasorda, is kind of kind of that way. Mm-hmm. I guess I I don't know I, I I think this episode's more shocking that Barney pulls his gun and he's about to blow the dog away. I know I was like, what, what? happened to this show all of a sudden? You've got never pulled gun? their guns, and no. now Barney's just gonna blow the dog away. Yeah, just yeah. so nonchalantly too. He's like, like sighting in. It's like, whoa, 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 what? Yeah, well, it's that whole thing. He doesn't want Wojo, you know, like they have to get this dog tested and he's going to do whatever he needs to to get that dog, man. That's yeah, it was wild. Yeah, I and and according to IMDb trivia, again, not uh, not not to use (laughs) them as the reference point of all reference points, but they claim that this is the only episode It's the only episode. The first episode. Hold on. I think it's the only the only, only yeah, this is supposedly the only episode that anyone draws a gun in the 12th precinct. Wow. Well, that can't be true. Right. It well, doesn't feel like it could be true. Maybe one only like time one the of the cops do, members because there was the hostage one that happened a couple episodes ago where it was uh, Don Kalfa had a gun and was they were he, and Barney's doing his whole thing. I'm holding my hands up to for the audience at home, you know, holding the hands up and just like, now wait a minute, you're gonna want to think about this. But yeah, Don Calvin, his brother character, they both had guns if memory serves. So, so it's gotta be yeah. one of the actual policemen. Yeah, the episode marks the only time. So it's a member of the 12th precinct, oh, okay. but that doesn't even feel right either. Yeah, well, we didn't see Chano blow that guy away. That Drawn was off screen. Drawn and aiming a gun. Are you telling me we never see Wojohowicz aim a gun? Even mm. in the stake of that? I mean, you know what? IMDb's got to be right. Maybe. I don't know. It feels that feels like it can't be true. Yeah. We'll have to test that out with Otto when he comes back for this but season. You tell me, what episode did they did the only member of the precinct ever draw a gun? That's Dog right. days. <laughs> yeah, he'll just jump right on. That. I mean, if he, he very well might, you could message him right now and he might respond. He should yeah. know. If anyone should know, it should be the guy who wrote the tome <laughs> that you can pick up uh, the files of the old one, too, which is a great book that you can pick up over at Amazon and Bear Manor Media. Remember that? I know I was going to say bareback media, <laughs> <laughs> different kind of book about men with mustaches. <laughs> Well, and speaking of mustaches, there is no mustache oh on, on Harris. And I love that he's using a mustache toupee, a merkin, if you will. 
Um, yeah, I was. I, so that I was. So I was actually really curious because right, they have the the whole B plot of the episode is Rosalind Cash, beautiful woman Harris in love with women. So oh, Harris yeah. is macking on Rosalind Cash, but you ask yourself because we watch these episodes back to back. He did shave the mustache. Yeah. What happened to the mustache? He, he shaved it. There, you can't fake shaving a mustache off. There's no way to sh- fake it. So the question then becomes: Is that they let his mustache grow back and then they start filming, or is it a fake one? Ladies and gentlemen, they actually answered that question. I was shocked because that that's continuity. Yeah, and there are few and far between times in this show that we have had continuity. Exactly. Yeah, it's wild, and I really appreciate that it's there. And he, yeah, he is so concerned now about his masculinity that he's wearing the fake mustache. I'm like, yep. Then when it starts to come off, when he's talking to her. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, again, it's it's I was really glad that they used it because I was curious, like they could mine this for some really easy laughs or interesting jokes, right. especially with the whole back and forth with Hal Linden and Ron Glass about his mustache the episode before. And they mentioned that, too. Yeah, which it's just all of a sudden, like there's continuity. But let me tell you something. We shouldn't be surprised because this is a continuity episode at its heart, because apparently Barney and Liz are fucking separated. Yeah. What? That's really kind of the heart of this whole Off episode. screen, baby. Holy moly. Ah, she's on a vacation with the kids. And I like how he's like, oh, the what's his daughter's now 21, I think he says. Yeah, and that's what he says. son's aged up as well. And I'm like, oh, time is passing. Liz is away. You know, of course, Dietrich's got to be like, well, you know, uh, taking separate vacations is very healthy. And then again, she could just be leaving him. I'm like, oh, geez. So I guess by the end of the episode, we're led to believe that Barney and his wife are kaput. Yeah, we're going to hear the big old D-I-V-O-R-C-E coming up pretty soon here. Yeah, which, I mean, we talked about it the last time we saw her. And it's not a surprise, but it's handled really poorly. Yeah. For a character that was billed in the credits of this show. I mean, again, the way the shows use Barbara Barry, I think one could make the case that she never should have been in the show to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, it, at, it this conju- at this ju- jun- junction in time. Right. It is not fair to her. But at the same time, she was billed for like three seasons and she didn't do any work. So I don't know if she got money for those episodes she wasn't in. I would hope so. But yeah. she was billed for like three seasons, at least as part of the main cast. Mm-hmm. But she was not she would stop being in in episodes of the show after like the first season, really. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I think it's just really poorly handled. It's essentially all handled through conversations on a telephone that you never hear. Right. Which is a very, I don't know if it's a lazy technique of screenwriting, but it just, it, it doesn't feel great because you can't hear the other side of the conversation and you know, Barbara Barry's not in the episode. Oh yeah. So that's yeah. why they use this like kind of half-ass framing device of, Oh, she's on the other end of the phone and they're communicating the messages that she's leaving for him. It's like, okay, so she's not in the episode. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. It just feels like we have to write her out. We're trying to do the right thing, but it's really not the right thing. They should have just let it be. I mean, unless they introduce romance into Barney's life later on in this series, there's no reason to even address this stuff with Liz. Right. Uh, right. Exactly. Like essentially just like leave it alone. Don't even mention it. Like if, if somebody remembers and asks about her character, 
Let that be their problem. Mm -hmm. Because, like, again, like, it's not like they mention her all the time. They go out of their way to mention her in this episode. But, like, I can't I can't remember the last time they mentioned her outside of when she just shows up. They don't just mentioned her. They don't mention her out of pocket the way Fish did with Bernice. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because that was like a constant. It's like it's almost she's mentioned so much that she needs to show up. So you have a frame of reference as to who she is like. Barney never even had to mention his wife. And Barney has had all of what? Two encounters with women who have come on to him. That Mm. lawyer, I think, in that one episode. And the squatter woman, I think, a little bit. But like, it's not like. Right. It's not like everybody's like creaming themselves over Barney Miller either. So I don't. Yeah. That's like the one small gray spot in this entire show is Barbara Barry's character. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't need to be there. And now it's like the way they're handling it now, it's like it really shouldn't have. You should have just left it be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see season six, what's going to happen with Barney's love life. And I kind of hope that they don't go down that path. I was going to ask you, like, do you, is that something you as a fan of this show want to see? Not really. No. Me either. I'm fine with him being this benevolent dad type of character. Right. And, you know, like those times where women have flirted with him has been kind of cutesy, but like, where does that go? Again, like we, we don't see shit outside of the precinct. So why even bother? Like even with, even with Wojo and I almost said Monique Marmels and um, Wentworth Wentworth. Yeah. Monique Marmelstein would have been, that would have been the answer I went to. Yeah. They they really were not ever shown outside of the precinct together other than the time where it was necessitated by the plot. Right, exactly. It was like the uh, stakeout. It was like stakeout part two, essentially. Not like part yeah. two, but like the second time the show did that like stakeout thing. Yeah, it was like a sting operation at the hotel or something. Right, right. Yeah. But no. they never showed them outside of the show either. So mm-hmm. at least out of the precinct. So yeah, I don't know why they did it. I mean, I guess somebody was just like, we really need to answer the question as to where Barney's wife has been. Yeah. But I'm not sure people were clamoring for that because again, the the action and the bulk of the show's anything really is just the interaction between the main cast and the people who they're bringing in. Mm-hmm. You know, it was there's not even really any secondary characters in this show anymore. The people that were are now part of the main cast, like James Gregory. There's not even like the people that show up. I guess you could make the case that someone like Arnie Freeman is a series regular because he shows up like six times. Right. Or a a guest character. But like, that's the other thing about this show. Like the guest characters are always one offs for the most part. So I don't know, like it's the the way the show treated some of its characters, I think is always kind of strange. And I felt like they were just working it out while creating the show, which I mean, it's that's not new. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I think maybe the idea could have been refined down a little bit more before they launched the show. And obviously this was the second iteration of the show. I mean, the first version of the show was much more even about the things outside of the precinct. So yeah, it feels like they course corrected, but they didn't course correct enough. Right. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. It feels like just one or two degrees more would have fixed, I think, the bulk majority of the problems. Like, why does Barney even need to be married? Mm-hmm. They've never really done anything. Like, take Liz aside. They've never really even done anything with the fact that he is married. So, yeah. but Fish was the one where that was the marriage was the whole thing. Right. Yeah, he was defined by that bad right. marriage. Whereas Yamana, I'm like, is he married? Is he just some old dude? Some old, you know, what was his backstory to things like did he become an itinerant gambler and that's when his gal left him back in 
I don't know, 55 or something. I don't know. What, what's your story, right. Yamana? Right. And, th- and that's but the we funny don't need thing. To know it. Well, that's the funny thing. I feel like the show started out as it was obviously the Barney Miller show. And then I bet at some point they probably, I bet at some point they probably even regretted naming the show Barney Miller. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like they could have named it like the 12th, pre- the, the, the police of the 12th precinct or something like that. Right. Cause again, like Barney is not even really the main character of the show anymore. It is like, I would contend now that where we are now in the fifth season, the show is pure ensemble. Uh-huh. And like, I think maybe this is like the final like vestiges of it not being an ensemble show is like the Barney's unnecessary backstory with his wife. Right. Because nobody well, else has one. Like you said, like nobody at right. this point. Well, it's like they didn't name what's that show called Brooklyn nine, nine. They didn't name that after that dickhead from Saturday night live. Uh, I can't remember. The oh, Andy name. Samberg, Andy Samberg, but they could have, I mean, he's the main character. So right. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's and that's like my contention with Barney Miller is like at some point and I don't think it was immediately. I think it it took like a season to really get it into or two probably to get it into that ensemble mode. But the show really is an ensemble cast. And yeah, it is helmed by Hal Linden. But Hal Linden is the straight man of the show. We talked about that last time. And in him being the straight man of the show, he's he is the main character because a lot of the jokes run through him. But he's, it's an ensemble. He's mm-hmm. not really the main character. Exactly. So this is like one of these weird, just like vestiges of a different show that is not this one. And yeah, maybe we don't ever have to hear about Liz again, which I would be okay with. There's going to be at least one more Liz. I guarantee it. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's back one more time. Just yeah, to I figured seal the deal. Yeah. You mentioned the opening credits and with Liz's appearance there. And I was very shocked to see a different opening ensemble in the next episode, the baby broker, all of a sudden Dietrich and Levitt have their own cards. They are not together in that two shot where they interact a little bit and said, we've got them now by themselves. I'm like, all right, kind of cool. And uh, I'm okay with it because I I hate to say this. I know we knew it was I don't coming. Don't want to say it. We knew it was coming. This is the first time where I'm like, Levitt is the best part of this episode. Not only is he the best part of the episode, he saves this episode from being bad. Yeah. Yeah. Levitt there, what he had worked 37 hours and then somehow he gets his hands on some amphetamines. Meth. I'm assuming it's meth, right? I'm I was thinking uppers myself. But yeah, no, yeah. that's methamphetamine. So it's like Adderall, right? Pretty wild that he's on those little yellow pills and just, yeah, at least for a few minutes until it finally catches up with them and he conks right out. Crashes real hard. Yeah. Snoring in Barney's chair. <laughs> like that. The, the sad thing about this episode is it is the first time I've liked Levitt and almost nothing else in this episode works for me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind the um, Ivor Francis character. Um, he reminded me a lot of the professors from Howard Hawks's Ball of Fire, where they're putting together a dictionary of slang, but his dictionary is all about uh, swear words and, right. and epithets. So that was kind of interesting, him showing up. and But that whole thing of... <sighs> that he insulted this woman, but then she's taking a bath and she won't come out of the bath. So that's why they let him go. That's really weak sauce. Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly feel like what would have been better would have been 
giving that story a little bit more time, a little bit more weight, a little bit more room to breathe because it really feels like they devote so much of the episode to this adoption story. And like the compelling, the compelling story in the episode is the stuff with Levitt because it's funny. And then the stuff with Ivor Francis, because it's also funny, like him being like, what did he say? What was that word? Like, what are they saying? Like, that's, that's leading down an interesting comedic road. And then it's like, nope, bam, right back to this really boring storyline with these two people who are trying to adopt a baby or I guess adopt a baby from a woman who's having it, who's German, who wants to go back to Germany to keep the baby for whatever reason. And there's this lawyer who brokers the deal. And for whatever reason, it takes way too long for them to realize Dietrich speaks German. Why the fuck did they not? This guy's name is Dietrich. Well, and Dietrich. He, he is Dietrich. And it's just like, as soon as they're like, oh, we don't have anyone that speaks German. I'm like, well, where's Dietrich? He's got to know how to speak right. German. This motherfucker knows everything. He's he, an alien. Yes, he has to know. He's so a gay alien from the planet Neptune at this uh, point, because he's also gay now. Headcanon Dietrich's gay. <laughs> Look, Ron Glass is a good looking guy and Ron Glass is a good looking woman. So yeah. there you go. I don't fault Dietrich, but I do fault this episode for not going the moment this woman walks in and starts speaking German. He would have piped up. You know, he would have said something. Yeah. And it's so lazy that they're like, no, he's off screen. It's like, where was he? Right. Because he just like walks in. He's like, it's like, wait, what is wait? What? Like, why wasn't this part of this to begin with? It should have been like he's out doing something. And then he brings in the professor with the smut dictionary. And then it's like, oh, what do we have here? And then start speaking German. But yeah, right. it's just like, where'd he go? Is he in the bathroom like fish? Right. I didn't. I that was the one kind of weird thing about this episode. That's like, you've got this woman who speaks German and Landisberg's character's last name is Dietrich. Right. And you know, he's a weirdo and you know, this dude speaks German and they do have him speak German. It's just like, it takes way too long to get there and they don't really do anything with it. Well, this whole plot of the surrogate motherhood thing, it feels too similar to stuff that we've seen before. And even that they have uh, talk of test two babies towards the end of it. And of course, the father's just like, oh, no, no, we can't do anything like that. I'm just like, wait a second. Wasn't there just a joke recently about a couple that was trying to do in vitro? And the guy looked a little bit like dietrich and so it was basically like if his swimmers don't work maybe this woman would sleep with dietrich yeah dietrich can't be gay because he's fucking nuns on this show that's fair but what if he's bisexual he can be bi that's absolutely fine i think he is bisexual at this point like i think he's omnisexual yeah he could be could be pansexual (laughs) even what's funny is like at this point that joke that they made really was not a joke like i don't know what it was like it seemed like a genuine compliment like yeah dietrich is an interesting character because like it's it i wish i this is so terrible wouldn't it have been better if they had given him his own show yeah kind of i would have been fine with that but he would have had to have surrounded himself with other more normal people otherwise it would just have been too weird right right 
But yeah, had Steve Landisberg at the end of Barney Miller moved out to California and gone to a different precinct, and all of a sudden it's a whole different You're bunch of people. You're making me want to see this so right? bad. Yeah. Oh, no. Occasionally Levitt stops by because oh, now he's man. like a small town sheriff someplace, right? Oh, my God. Like a Barney Fife-ass guy? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. I want this show so badly now. <laughs> God, yeah. yeah. I mean, just get see what Stephen Wright up to. He's essentially Steve Landisberg reincarnated. Yeah, why just, not? Just go, well, Mitch Hedberg's also dead, so never mind. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will tell you, like the Landisberg character, we've. I mean, the La- Landisberg is just a fantastic actor, and the Dietrich oh, yeah. character, it, the Dietrich character is the best part of the show now, like almost bar none. And like it's, he's such a good part of the show that unlike Fish, he's not getting in the way of everything else. That was the other problem. By the end of it, Fish, I was just like, just go. I mean, you can go listen to those episodes where like fish needs to get out of here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But like, I don't, I don't know if I'll get to that point with Dietrich. I hope that I don't. Maybe he'll become too quirky, but he's not there yeah. yet. There were a couple times, I think, either in this episode or the previous one, where it would be like joke, 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 pause, Dietrich's line. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know if I need that little button on everything from Arthur or not. But right. It's like, just be careful. He's don't overuse this guy because he's so good. You don't need to have him comment on every joke. Which is also my concern with this show because that's what happened to Fish. Yeah. Where it's like, true. and what does old Fish have to say? And it's like, I don't fucking care right. anymore. Uh, it's that's be... what my adenoids said. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, my hemorrhoids. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Like, man, we really turned our opinion on Abe Vigoda real yeah. hard. But yeah. again, it's just really that that character of Fish just out. I don't think he outgrew the show. I think the show outgrew him. Yeah. Now, I would give Abe Vigoda a chance, you know, just for old time's sake. But, um, you know, other people wouldn't. Other people might have to say, you know, it's business, Sally. <laughs> wow. So pathetic. <laughs> Sorry, I just I'm, rewatched I, that scene recently, and I'm just like, a, it's so good. Everything. I mean, Abe. That's the you know that's a sad thing is like Abe Vigoda is a great actor. Oh yeah. I just the fish character like became too bad. much. Yeah, yeah. yeah just got yeah. in the kind of the way of everything. Yeah. Which is why like the concern with Landisberg is genuine because like he's so good that like I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Like if you start running all the jokes through him, like okay, so he's the Patrick Ewing of the show. The offense goes through him, but like at some point we're going to get tired of that right? and not want to see it anymore. And like, it's not there yet, but like it could get there very easily. Well, and it was nice that we had a little bit of Jack Sue in this episode because it's like, Oh, finally, like have him at the intro and this whole thing about if you drive South from Detroit, what's the first foreign country that you hit, which is a nice Detroit factoid. I was wondering, I was like, is Mike smiling? Oh yeah. Mike must be smiling here for this Detroit facts with Mike White. <laughs> Detroit's own Mike White loves Detroit facts. Exactly. <laughs> I lo- that was a good one. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, I was like, Mike's got to be enjoying it. Mike's enjoying this. One. Uh, yeah, I was very happy. <laughs> yeah. Anytime Detroit gets a mention in any sort of media, I'm just like, oh, that's cool. You know, yeah. and most of the time it's like people just shitting on our city, right. but you know. That's well, okay. We can people. take it. Yeah. Fuck those yeah. people. You got to be nice to them people in Detroit. They're living in Mad Max times. <laughs> you guys eat pizza cooked in aluminum pans. I don't know what the fuck you guys, black aluminum pans. You guys don't know what the fuck you guys are doing. You guys, <laughs> you're doing it. And that's all that matters. Detroit style. I don't even know what Look, that it's is. It's good, to me, man. That's pizza. You it's know? a little Caesar style pizza. That's oh, what it good is. Lord. Yeah. 
hey, Detroit's the town that Little Caesars built. That that's true, and Domino's, <laughs> and, and uh, you know all those car companies. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, just all those, but definitely pizza. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can claim that, that now. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was funny. I was like, a Detroit fact of all things. And I love how Barney's a fucking dick. Oh, what yeah. is that all about? Nick, it's nine o'clock. <laughs> like, dude, like, wh- he's like, uh, by the way, right. I'm actually here early, you fuck. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love and then Barney's it. like, well, I don't know how to do it. And like, he tries to pivot so hard. It's like, yeah. ooh, yikes, cringe. Ooh, a little, nice. little much there. Yeah. But yeah, man, I, you know, it's, it's too bad, really, because. Phoebe Doran and Frederick Cook and Michael Durrell, like just not Mm-mm. given a damn thing to do. And that no. storyline is not interesting. I'm sorry. Like, is it meant it's not funny? And so is it supposed to be serious? Are we supposed to be like, we're we're shed, shedding a light on what's going on in New York? Like it wasn't that either. So I don't know what was going on, but like a baby mill is what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Not the most interesting subject material for this show. No. We've seen, I would have preferred another, you know, sex worker episode, really. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. This yeah. is like babies and pregnancy, and I don't know. And then, like, the angle of the woman speaking German, like, what it feels solely for Landisburg jokes, but then they don't really make any. No. There's like two. Right. They yeah. like, you know, condensed for time joke. Yes. And yeah. then. Just that he speaks German. The joke German? that he speaks German. Yeah. Yeah. It, it This one could have been a lot better. There's a couple moments, but yeah, for the most part, it's like, all right. And again, I think Harris doesn't have the mustache. So kind of nice. Yeah. 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 And uh, Ron Carey is actually pretty good. So hell has officially frozen over. <laughs> I, he's the best part of this episode, period. Like the, his mannerisms are super weird. Oh, he's yeah. like kind of like twitchy and just seems like, you know, the way people get when they're tired. If you've been super tired and stayed up all night, you know, the way you can get. And he does a pretty good job of doing it. I don't know if he actually, I probably, he didn't probably stay up, but when you first see him, he looks like when Barney's talking to him, he's like, hey, Barney, yeah, for 33 hours. He looks like death warmed over. They yeah. made him look like old. They put like they definitely old manned him up a little bit with some with some makeup. But he's great. I'm like, like I said, hell has frozen over. Ron Carey is the best part of this episode. Ron Carey method actor. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I got to I got to stay up for another 24 hours here. <laughs> I will tell you, man, like in all honesty, I used to stay up all the time. Wow. All nighters, dude. I don't even like I can't fathom doing no. that now. No. Oh my God. And like, he's in his like forties. And so his character is supposed to be like a cop doing a 33 hour beat. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. You're going to need more see... than meth to stay on your feet, dude. Like, yeah, I can see why he suddenly, even though he's got the pills, he ends up falling asleep. Yeah. Just like dead to the world. That was a nice moment at the end with yeah. Barney. Yeah. yeah, it's a ni- again, like that's the other thing. There's a nice moment between Barney and Ron Carey, and we haven't gotten a lot of those yet. So, yeah, I don't know. And hey, the times have changed. He's part of the show's main cast with his own title card. Like yeah. yeah, we're going to have at least one more change to that title sequence, but that'll probably be the beginning of season six when there's no more Nick, which is really a sad thought. And they don't ever add anybody else. I don't think they do. No. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Ron Carey ends up being the last kind of main cast member added. Mm. Right. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I'm not swearing to this. You know, I don't want Otto there like throwing stuff at his radio <laughs> when he's at home. <laughs> no, you fools. You fools. <laughs> How could you? 
You forgot How my favorite you? character, Shecky. You yeah. forgot my favorite character, Mike. He returns. <laughs> the return of Mike, season return seven. Of Mike. All Mike, all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, that's what the final episode of this show should be called: Barney Miller, the return of Mike. Mike returns. <laughs> that should be the the way the final episode ends is just Mike comes in. He's like, "Where did everybody go?" Right. Like, Hello. <laughs> I've I'm got here. my soap. It's made from little pieces of other soap. <laughs> it's been like the funniest way for the show to end. <laughs> Chano just shows up at the end. Where'd everybody go? Right. And then he's like babbles in Spanish. Yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or, or you have Howland and waking up in a bed next to Bob Newhart. Oh, no. He wakes up uh, next to uh, Wentworth. Oh, <laughs> Wentworth. I had the craziest dream that I was a cop. <laughs> or he calls her. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Al Linden wakes up in bed next to her and goes, Alice, I had the weirdest dream. There you go. <laughs> He's like, come on, Mel, let's go. Yeah. And then, and then, and then they open the door and their mailman is fucking Wojohowicz. Oh. And their next door neighbor is Ron Glass. And it's like he was always putting people. Oh, my God. Yeah. You were there and you and you. Yeah. All of you were there. So you got to say it elsewhere very quickly. Wojo's this like uh, 45 year old uh, special (laughs) needs person with a snow globe. (laughs) Oh, man. Barney Miller is real dark at the end. The yeah. coda. It's like the coda at the end of the Dark Tower series. If you really want to know what happened in Barney Miller, watch past the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, like, it, I, I will say now that we're kind of at the point where more than likely no one else is going to be added and it's just, re- you know, reducing by mm-hmm. one, unfortunately. I'm okay with this being the cast for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they they really are firing on all cylinders, and even Ron Carey is kind of bring. I mean, he, bringing his A game. Yeah, but man, where's Luger? No Luger in these episodes. Oh, James Gregory, like add add some. Why didn't he show up when uh, when uh, Harris was in uh, cross dress? Like, what was up with that? Yeah. Like, feels or like even, a perfect moment. Or even the German lady could have been like, yeah. ah, yeah, I fought some some of these guys during the war. Yeah, just said randomly say Nazis. Yeah. Say Krauts. Krauts. He would say Krauts. Krauts. Yeah. 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 Jerry's going to, you know, they were always trying to take us over. Yeah. 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 Where's that? I don't know. I miss James Gregory. I do too. He's part of the show. He's a main cast member. Get that man out here. Get, he's not voicing dragons, James. (laughs) Doing whatever the fuck James Gregory was doing late in life, voicing dragons for Rankin and Bass. Uh, He might have been putting on some ape makeup at this time as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Boy, that's right. Ape makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think these three episodes. The first one's a pretty stock and trade Barney Miller. The second one, I think, is I think the first two are just kind of stock, and the third one's not great. No, no, you know, we'll we'll, we'll hit duds as we go through here. So. Yeah, yeah, as long as they're not all duds at once, as long as yeah. it's not three duds in a row, which mm-hmm. we've kind of avoided that so far. So, did uh, did Luger make the credits? Did they cut him out to make room I for? I don't think so. Okay. All right. I hope not. All right. I'll have, I hope, we'll have to pay attention not. next month when we come back and talk about Accusation, The Prisoner, and Lone Shark. We've got another episode directed by Max Gale coming up. And uh, Lieutenant Scanlon comes back in the next episode. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm excited. George Murdoch is a real asshole. Yes, he is. Yep. He's, he's just one of those actors that looks like an asshole. He's what Luger could have been had he taken the dark path. 
Yeah, for oh, for real. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Michael Tucci shows up again. Oh, cool. From Greece. That's the only thing I know him from. Yeah, Potsy? no, that's pretty much Moopsie. Moopsie. I don't know what his character. It wasn't Potsy. I'll tell you that. But... <laughs> I don't think it's Moopsie either. Yeah, <laughs> Sunny. That's what it is. Closer to Moopsie. Yeah. The Moops. The Moops. Hey. It wasn't the Moops. Hey, yeah. Moop. What up, Moops? <laughs> I'm looking forward to it as always. Yeah. Well, apparently, uh, I don't think that James Gregory was any in any of the Planet of the Apes TV series. He was just in the uh, the movie. So, hmm. yeah, hmm. General Ursus. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen those movies in a very long time. Uh, they hold up. At least the first, third, and fourth do. Which Maybe one is the, one that has the baby Milo? Too. I want to say he gets born at the end of three. I just like that name. Oh, yeah. Baby yeah. Milo. It's just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? <sighs> well, until we talk again next month, Chris, all about Barney Miller, where can people find you? Uh, cstashy.com is my link tree. C-S-T-A-C-H-I-W.com. That's my link tree. Go there for all the things that I work on. CultureCast. Movie podcast, scary stories we tell. It's not a movie podcast. It's like a weird paranormal true crime. And then uh, we mentioned it already a couple times, but it bears repeating. Rankin on Bass, where we talk about Rankin on Bass stuff, both the Christmas, the live action, and everything in between. And we do talk about James Gregory on an episode where we talk about the Flight of the Dragons, where James Gregory voices a dragon. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you, go check that episode out. Yeah. Yeah, we even get to talk about him in Colombo as well. And All we'll right. talk about him another time in when we talk about the most crucial game, I think it's called. Right. I forgot that he's in that Colombo episode. Yeah, very it's kind of like not in it enough yeah, to yeah. save the episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's in it and he's kind of playing a dick. So yeah, kind of playing works. a dickhead, like the dickhead version of Luger that we first kind of run into in this show. What about you, Mike? Where can people find you? You can always find me over at the projection booth, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. And that's where I've got all my links to all the shows and all that kind of stuff as well. So before we head out, I want to thank John Walker for our theme song. I want to thank and Maggie Dion for our cover art. And I want to thank you for listening to this show. Continue to listen, please, and rate and review the show wherever you find it. We would appreciate it. Make sure to pick up Otto Bruno's book. 